From our headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. When is the last time you reflected on what it actually takes to keep the lights on? In the cases of natural gas, coal, nuclear fission, biomass, petroleum, and geothermal, the heat that is produced is used to create steam, which moves the blades of a turbine. In the cases of wind and hydropower, turbine blades are moved directly by the flow of wind and water, respectively. Long story short, big machines are used to harness the power of nature, which at the end of the day, allows us at home to flip a switch and live the comfortable lives that we, for the most part, take for granted. For the rest of this episode, however, I was thinking to direct some love and attention towards the individuals which maintain and operate such heavy machinery. Thanks to modern technology, these individuals are able to combine their engineering knowledge with the help from highly specialized IT systems to help fulfill their mission. On the flip side, however, are adversaries. Either nation states or financially motivated actors, these threats do their best to accomplish the exact opposite of what we want. So, should we be worried about the security of these big machines moving forward? Michael Wang, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Robbie. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you here. We've been, um, we go back a few years now. Yeah, exactly. Met in Copenhagen at a conference and it just kind of ran from there. Yeah, an industrial security conference to be exact. Exactly. Which we've been at for three years now together. So that's, uh, that's good. And um, I, and I'm sure as many others that we know, would uh, consider you the friendly neighborhood uh, OT guy in our security world. Yeah, I think that they used to refer to me as a furniture on that conference because I'm one of the few guys who've been there from <laughs> the beginning. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. OT, ICS, yeah. cybersecurity. We protect society. Mm. Yep. So OT, so industrial control systems. Uh, yeah. Big machines that make lots of noise and are very critical for us, I guess. That's your specialty. Exactly. Are you one of those that was an engineer and then, you know, moved over to security world? Uh, yeah. Like yeah, that? I, or, yeah. I started off as an actually electronics engineer. Um, for some reason, ended up in IT. Got a gig designing a backbone infrastructure for a manufacturing plant somewhere. And then it kind of took off, got more and more into the OT stuff, uh, found it more and more interesting. Worked from there, spent like almost 20 years in the pharmaceutical business designing, building, testing, mm -hmm. validating, and then slowly ventured into cybersecurity. Then came 2010 and the famous Stuxnet incident, and that kind of spawned the old hacker dream. Uh, and I, I, I yep. took that career shift, and now it's all about OTICS cybersecurity. Cool. So today I'd like to talk to you about uh, keeping the lights on. And I'm sure you're following what's going on in... Uh Ukraine, it's very, yeah. very sad. Obviously, I think we all agree on that. Um, and, you know, obviously they're using uh, physical means of taking down the power grid right now. Uh, but they have 
as far as I know, also tried to do the same through digital means before. And it seems that it didn't work out as well. Well, I think, first of all, yes, our hearts is uh, with the Ukraine, of course. Uh, it's a horrible thing going on uh, so close. Um, and yes, I think I, as many other uh, of uh, the community, is a little bit uh, surprised that we haven't seen more effort, actually, and more more uh, results from the cyber warfare part of uh, the conflict, uh, because we definitely all thought that that would be the case at this time. I think when uh, when the military exercise was initiated in, back in February, there was a huge pressure, especially on the Ukraines, uh, on the cyber side. And, and we all expected that that, of course, would venture into at least Western Europe because we were all pushing back, uh, making all kinds of uh, mm. initiatives. So we kind of... We kind of started to anticipate more Russian cyber warfare, all kinds of crime gangs uh, teaming up with the Russians in Russia, outside of Russia. Um, but it, funny enough, hasn't really turned out to be that big a success. And now they're obviously uh, relying on kinetic warfare to, to kill the uh, critical infrastructure, which is obviously working. Uh, a lot of people without electricity and heat and gas. So... And for wintertime, that's not good. But uh, yeah, we haven't seen as mm. much cyber as, as we thought we would. Mm. What have we seen? Because um, I know there has been, you know, some uh, hermetic wiper. There's there, there are a few things that have been deployed and have had an effect. Or maybe yeah. not had an effect, but they were at least, uh, they, they tried using it, correct? What have exactly. we seen? Exactly. And it's, it's, it's an ongoing discussion whether, you know, whether there is a raised threat level here. But what we are basically seeing, at least when we are looking at the public available intelligence, is that there's a lot of scanning going on, but not necessarily that many targeted attack on the OTICS side for, or, or the critical infrastructure. But yes, uh, luckily, uh, the... Uh, the Indestroyer 2 uh, was found uh, before it was detonated and actually used in the wild. And that turned out to be a bit of an, you know, wake up call, I think, for the uh, community also, because we are now seeing that there, yes, including Viber and Killdisk uh, um, capabilities into their malware, and it's much more modular. So there's an ex expectation to this kind of malware being the new stuff and it seems to be a lot more targeted against OT and not only having capability to do lateral movement and, and penetrating the actual OT stuff but it's also carrying uh, supposedly some some seriously consequences for this type of uh, equipment so um, I'm hoping we're not going to see anything but Unfortunately, if this intention is 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 really something they're building, uh, then uh, I think we need to hmm. be special careful and do a lot more of uh, uh, situational awareness, uh, meaning that we need to be, uh, or the company needs to be a lot better at, at monitoring and, and have that visibility into their daily operations in, in their networks, because they need to detect this very early in to be able to protect themselves. Mm. Is it, uh, you mentioned Stuxnet earlier, is it still so that attacks that end up uh, having an effect on an OT system, industrial control systems, that they still come through IT? Like the I IT think, side of business? 
I think most of what we see is is either coming as a collateral damage from IT. Most of the ransomware attacks are supposedly, um, again, the public intelligence that we have, threat intel, uh, points to the fact that it's IT ransomware more than OT targeted ransomware. We see remote access issues. Uh, the Oldsmar uh, water case was uh, was a team viewer uh, thing. So remote access and sometimes even vendors coming in doing maintenance with their laptops and then kind of a supply chain attack because then they have infected laptops. But again, it's 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 primarily seen as as being IT uh, malware. So so we don't really. I mean, there are a few cases in in the gray zone after the two well-known cases from christmas 2015 and 16 by the way also in ukraine so after that we haven't really seen uh, much the uh, trisis uh, hatman incident of course but but uh, besides that uh, mainly it yeah so um you named you know supply chain i heard uh uh, yeah, third-party vendors, you know, needing access to things. What What are some of the trends in the OT security space that you see? You had to list a few. Well, we definitely see that more people are, are becoming aware of this uh, visibility need, and so they're they're implementing all kinds of well NSM boxes or NMS boxes, network monitoring, security monitoring. Uh, hmm. capabilities, uh, you would have your Dragos, your Nosomi, your Clarity boxes, Forescout or Skate Defense, just to mention the top tier ones. Um, but And we're also seeing more and more companies actually making some form of due diligence, trying to do risk assessment and point out the crown jewels or the critical parts of the production, doing some form of risk assessment to actually try to balance the cyber effort, uh, the cybersecurity effort. So I think that's a new thing, uh, even though we in the community would like to see them do more. Some are struggling getting even the basics right still. Uh, so. I also think that we are seeing, at least we are being challenged more and more on incident response readiness. So we are doing more tabletop exercises where we include the OT part. If it's a manufacturing company or a critical infrastructure energy company, we're we're tasked with also including uh, doing injects for the OT side to kind of test these uh, incident mm-hmm. response plans and for the companies to see if the business continuity is in place. And what is your, uh, how has your experience been with those uh, initial, you know, sort of projects? Well, it's it's good so far. I, it's definitely still wake up calls for the companies. Some of them actually have quite good uh, incident response plan on the on the business side, on the on the IT corporate IT enterprise side, and they would have a fairly good sense of what to do and who should do it and when and who to call but then if if it starts to move into the ot side then it becomes more blurry and often enough uh, there's this challenge between how they do it in it and then what you can actually do in ot because there are uh, different priorities so that's often where we see that they're they're a bit more challenged and there's there's still a lack of good playbooks on the OT side, uh, I would say. Uh, most of them f- 
just aiming at being able to respond to standard ransomware attacks. What are what are some of the um, the common challenges that you see moving forward then uh, within you know performing these tests and these these assessments? Because I would assume that the OT side of business have they do have incident response plans, but they are more for like you know when the when when the power goes out or when their system their system stops working. So it's not like they're starting from scratch. Or exactly. Well, they they have been focusing, of course, on safety and resilience because this is uh, often enough where the money is earned. So and there's uh, also often enough uh, life at stakes. Things can go boom or make huge uh, environmental disasters. We've we've seen a couple of those as well. So I think the emphasis has been on safety and resilience, um, and and now they're slowly starting to include cyber into this because, of course, a ransomware attack could mean. It, whether it's from IT or targeted OT, it still means that you will lose visibility and you might even lose control over the process. And that can have a huge consequence, uh, not only for the people working at the site, but if, if you're at the wrong geographical point of view, it, it can hit uh, environment severely, or if it's in the middle of a town, there's a huge potential for a lot of uh, other people to, to be impacted. So they're slowly mm. starting to address this. Um, so they have to shift their focus a little bit uh, from standard safety and uh, resilience issues to, to more cybersecurity-driven uh, approaches. So there's still room for improvement there, mm. but we're seeing more and more, so that's a good thing. And then, of course, yeah. there's, the, there's the standard challenge that, that since this equipment is a little bit uh, other, uh, different than, than standard IT. Uh, at least we're not uh, aiming at doing pen test in, in the OT side. Uh, it's an ongoing discussion also in, in this community whether you can do a pen test. But uh, depending on the definition, we are doing assessments. So try to be as pos passive as possible um, and try to assess at least what con controls are in place is the basic cybersecurity framework in place, the governance around it, uh, and then see if there's room for improvement on the basics and then slowly venture into parts and then maybe advising the clients to build a virtual lab uh, resembling some of the process equipment or at least the IT parts of the cross process equipment, having some of the OT uh, applications run in there, and then you can do a kind of a simulated uh, pen test directly on that, but without the impact of the actual running equipment. And, and so, and that's one of the uh, main challenges, but it, it takes a lot of effort. And of course it's competing priorities to few people running operations. So that's still the challenge. Yeah. For those of us that are listening that don't have anything to do with these big, uh, big systems that make lots of noise, right? And the security, uh, and the security of them, um, do we uh, should we be worried? Or aren't there no? There are some new regulations coming that are going to, you know, make this uh, a lot of the things you're mentioning, like you know, uh, network monitoring, um, uh, tests, uh, incident response procedures, and stuff. Those are those are that's going to come, right? People or companies that are involved with this will eventually be at a certain maturity level in Europe. Definitely. Um, and I can hear that you're referring to NIS2 directive uh, and it's definitely going to yeah. uh, 
be uh, something that will raise the bar for many companies, uh, especially small mid-size, uh, maybe mostly mid-size. Uh, I think most of the big companies are fairly good at, at protecting their environments, although there is always room for improvements. Um, but I think, mm. yeah, we will. Uh, I don't think we need to be worried, uh, but we need to do due diligence. I also think that policymakers, uh, governments need to step up uh, because a lot of this is uh, part of the critical na uh, national infrastructure and not only the telecommunication and the financial part, but heating and gas for cooking and heating and electricity. I mean, that's that's what's going to carry society these days, especially here in, in Denmark, where I reside. We have one of the most digitized uh, countries uh, in the world and societies. So we need to step up and, and help improve uh, the digital part of our society. Um, and as long as we take that challenge, I don't think we have to be kind of worried, but um, there is definitely uh, a room for improvement still. Going back to uh, Ukraine, they were able to get their power back on despite getting attacked physically. How are they doing that? How is that? Because uh, if, if you know that was to happen here through means of a cyber attack, we wouldn't have lights. It'd be more than a couple hours that we didn't have power, yeah, right? Exactly. Whereas yeah. down there, they're actually able to get it back going. How, how is that? What, what, what are the differences there? So that's a damn good point because you're touching on one of the things that's actually the flip side of the coin when we're having this uh, high degree of uh, digitalization. I mean, we've built a society that's that's very technology driven and that means that we're slowly getting rid of a lot of manual resources in and around our different types of facilities carrying the uh, especially the energy sector so the electricity and especially for the cases in, in back in Ukraine in 15 and 16 what what saved the day and actually made them uh, recover so fast was that they still had a lot of uh, uh, what do you call them technicians being able to drive out to the substations manually switching switching relays and 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 levers um, and but we don't have that here uh, in 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 mm. in the northern countries and in Western Europe, uh, at least not to the degree that we had in the future and comparable to Ukraine. So we will be challenged because we will have fewer people that are part of that recovery phase because people also losing sight of how is this system actually working uh, manually. And a lot of the time, what will uh, save the day is that we can yeah, go into island mode and run manual, but fewer and fewer uh, of our resources actually know how to do that. And we will also have fewer resources, so spanning a whole country, that would be a, a serious uh, incident because we would spend some time recovering systems. And, and since it's all based on IT, uh, which is then not available, that will be a challenge. So, of course, we save resources on a daily basis, but when a push comes to show, I think we will be challenged on that part, and it will be a challenge. So that's also some of the things that mm. companies and government needs to focus on. How do we actually plan for these incidents, and how do we prepare to actually run manual and in island modes? Right, because I know that uh, the infamous cloud has had a uh, is a is a big trend going on in these sort of environments. But is there any chance that we actually just say, you know what, uh, maybe we shouldn't digitalize. Maybe maybe we should go back to doing it the old way, or well. 
I'm I'm pretty certain that that we cannot prevent the the development of the cloud and I mean that's what brought the society to the marvelous things that we can do today that's our mm. our curiosity and our need to always expand and improve our businesses so in that sense cloud is here to stay and it will move into also the OT space um, it will be slower, however, um, I think it's it's a way to see whether an OT cybersecurity practitioner is actually coming from an engineering background or not, because if he says absolutely and categorical no to cloud, he's probably an engineer who, who had had spent time, uh, you know, being dirty and, and knows the challenges of not being able to control your old equipment. And let's face it, putting stuff in the cloud might have a lot of benefits, but the, the biggest challenge is that that's other people's computers. And so other people are in control and you have no uh, security for, uh, and this is not cybersecurity sense, but just in general, that you're in control over your systems and your processes if it's run outside of your physical realm. So I think uh, it's going to be a challenge to implement the, the upsides of the cloud environment, but uh, it will slowly come. Right now we are seeing a lot of IoT stuff uh, being used in part of manufacturing and part of the OT ICS world, mainly for optimizational purposes, collecting all kinds of sensory inputs for maintenance purposes and optimization purposes, uh, ch you know, chasing the golden batches and all that stuff. So it's not as much the, the control systems and the control loops themselves, but Unfortunately, I think at some point, uh, sales and marketing will be able to convince the, the business owners and the process owner to, uh, to venture into that land, although it's, uh, it's something that I, I actually fear still. I need to see the technology uh, be uh, a lot better than it is today. But uh, I mean, there are good sides there as well, right? Because if you look at digital twins, that's definitely... Uh, I mean, one way to do it, right? So you copy whatever you have, again, like the virtual labs I was referring to for Pentest. So you can have digital twins and then you can do a lot of stuff on the twin in the cloud. And since you have all these computing resources in the cloud, well, that's of course a good thing. But again, if the cybersecurity is not in place, you will also lose probably a lot of your intellectual property up there. So uh, as always, be very cautious uh, when you're taking these giant uh, leaps mm. for mankind because uh, you, you can get burned up there. Right. So a uh, crystal ball question. Um, when, and hopefully soon, uh, the, this, uh, you know, the conflict is over. Um, do you think that we will start seeing more than we're seeing today in 2022? Because at least from, from our side, <clears throat> from, what I, from what I hear from my colleagues, we are doing less incident response this year than we normally do, uh, which yeah. is good. Um, but I've also heard from somebody that, uh, you know, once this conflict is over, there's a lot of groups that uh, have time to go back to their business as usual. <laughs> what uh, do you think? Well, that's one perspective that they're right now focused on the kinetic part. Some of them might be directly involved. Um, the other thing that I see analysts pointing at uh, around the world is that it might so also be uh, a possible scenario that, 
I mean, we all know that it's not running as smoothly as they would uh, prefer uh, for the Russians. Uh, and they're also now starting to lose uh, on the kinetic side. And that might mean that they would start to venture back into the cybersecurity uh, side of it and the cyber warfare and maybe start to, to be even more aggressive since they didn't achieve what they thought they would with the kinetic warfare. They, we might see them uh, raise the bar uh, again on the cyber side as we expected but didn't see. So I think it's either of those two scenarios that are more likely. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit about uh, looking into the uh, the fortune cookies here. Um, it's it's hard to really tell what happens. I think um, I've seen that at least um, the Ukrainians are are offering to share the knowledge they have because they have some serious good uh, mm. experience from the last uh, eight years of protecting their critical infrastructure. So. Um, as a common effort, I think we can protect ourselves, and I also think that we are ready to some extent. But uh, if they turn up the heat on us, uh, we need definitely to uh, focus on that, and then we will see more incident response, of course, coming out of that. But I, I sincerely yeah. hope not. Yeah. Me neither. Mr. Wang, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your, your point of views with us. We, we appreciate it, and we appreciate all the work you're doing to keep the lights on. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice weekend. Bye. Take care. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.no. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.